before the caffeine wears off. This is WERA LP Arlington 96.7 FM, and you're listening to Media on the Radio. If you haven't listened to Media on the Radio for a while, it might make sense because I haven't released very many episodes in the last couple months, part of which is because I've been going through a career transition of my, my own. I launched a, a small business called Wait What Productions, and I've been really busy, which has been great, producing web videos, online classes, short documentaries for clients in the DC metro area. And check out the website waitwhatpro.com for more information on that. We can talk more about that later. But for now, we have some new theme music. So this is Media on the Radio 2.0. Wanted to bring this one to you to, to kick off the new season. And this is Andy Lindbergh, who has been on the podcast before. He works at KDK Radio, and I thought this was really timely because he talks about what it's been like to be a news producer at a radio station during this election cycle. And we also chat about the possibility, which is not set in stone, but the possibility of us starting a spinoff podcast about Pittsburgh, since we both are from Pittsburgh and we have a lot to say about it. So this is coming out a couple days before the election. So I thought it was important and it's not going to, no one's going to want to hear anything about the election come November 8th if you're not already really sick of hearing about it. Without anything further, this is my conversation with Andy Lindbergh. It's a short one and I hope you enjoy it. Just for people that, that haven't listened to the first podcast, you're a radio producer at KDKA, which is the first commercial radio station in the country. In the, is it in the world? In the world. First commercial radio station in the world. Uh, celebrated our 96th birthday, November 2nd, this year, 2016. When I was teaching the low-power FM radio station class, we had this trivia. What was the first broadcast on commercial radio? It was the uh, results of the Harding-Cox election that was done out of... I heard um, it was the debate. No, it was the results really? on election day. Huh. Yeah, because... November 2nd, 1920 was uh, election day, you know, being the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November is uh, how they work election day and um, came on it. And there's a, there's a recording that you can listen to. You can find on YouTube, but it's not the original recording. They don't have the original. They weren't recording it. They just <laughs> sent it out, but they recreated it a couple years later. Uh, so whenever you hear the recreation of the first recording, that's or think you're hearing the first recording, it's it's a recreation. It's like landing on the moon. They didn't really do that that time, right? That was all, exactly that was all faked. <laughs> um, more more like the raising of the flag at Iwo Jima, because mm, you know they did it, yeah, but they just missed it. <laughs> so like, can you guys just do that again? So this this kind of stumbles in on a topic that's pretty pertinent, which I don't want to talk too much um in detail on like the the details of the election and everything else but it'd be interesting to hear what your kind of what your perspective has been as you've been producing news this last uh quarter about the i assume a lot of stuff has been on the election at least you know blow by blow as the campaign goes um what's your what's your take on on how that's been, and this is, I assume, your first election that you've produced as as a journalist, as a full time, yeah, as a full time producer. I was around for the 2012, but kind of just toward the end. Well, the the one thing has been um, how hard it is to get 
the national candidates on get them locked in for an interview where before I've heard this being my first full campaign was they would contact uh, us and say, you know, uh, President Obama's going to be in town or Mitt Romney's going to be here. Do you guys have a couple minutes at this time? And we would accommodate them. And it's kind of like flipped where they are just so protective. They don't do a lot of uh, localized interviews, very few, because of, you know, they want to protect their message and they don't want to be thrown off or caught off. I guess because both candidates have, have been embroiled, were embroiled in so many, so much controversy. And, and so that was kind of discouraging. And the other thing was how polarizing you can tell people react on social media and in phone calls. I posted a story about Donald Trump that he said, on, this is on our Facebook page, posted a story about Donald Trump on our Facebook page that said he claims Hillary will let in 650 million immigrants in the first week of her presidency or something like that. And the current population is only 325 million. So <laughs> I posted that and I just said, you know, I just I just stated the facts and somebody had commented on our Facebook page saying that we're biased against Hillary when it was obviously a story that was didn't really make Trump look too smart in that case and people are saying the media's biased against Hillary and then I get I'll post something else again about Hillary and then they'll say you're why are you always bashing her or, you know Trump this is exactly why Trump should win. And it, there's a, so much polarity. I've never seen it before. And it, it shows in the phone calls and the Facebook posts and all that. That's interesting because, you know, to to call KDK traditional media would be the ultimate traditional media, given that it's the, the first radio station ever, uh, commercial radio well, station. Our our show is on an AM dial and we are a news program, but most of the day is opinionated local talk historically uh, you know opinionated little talk local talk leans uh a little right you know that is kind of our audience is an older older demographic with uh right leanings but what we try to do in the morning is remain neutral because we want to attract all ages and all political backgrounds and it's like a show anybody can listen to and hopefully not get too mad but even whenever we state facts <clears throat> in the campaign they you know all we do is say what trump or hillary said we get accused of bias you do really very newsy stuff like seven minute interviews and four minute things and weather and traffic if you're heading to work and you want the spark notes of what's happening in sports, weather, traffic, and news is kind of that's kind of what what the show does. It gives you enough to be informed on your way to work. Without, you know, if you want to get in depth, you can go online or pick up a newspaper. What we try to do when we have politicians on is we get the other side. Pennsylvania is um, one of the hotly contested was one of the hotly contested uh, Senate races this this election season. And we had Senator Toomey and uh, Katie McGinty both on uh, different days, different times. But, you know, 
we don't put them on against each other or uh, we let them say what they want to say, but we'll stop them if they, we feel like they went too far as to, you know, just talking about their opponent the whole time when we're trying to get what they want, what they believe out of the show. So we do get opinion, but we try to make it, you know, as even as we can. Well, that's like a big criticism too. And, and a big conversation in journalism is about the context and how much context to give. And then you have also like new media outlets that are so, um, overt with an agenda, either, either politically divided or just one issue, you know, say, say social, uh, criminal justice or something. And there's a, there's a magazine that's just dedicated to creating stories that will help to change policy. So under the guise of journalism, right? Whatever it is, it's any, any topic, guns, anything. Um, so how do you, what do you think about that? And how does that impact what your decisions are as a, as a producer? I mean, you know what, you know what you're, you know what you're getting with Fox, you know, you're getting a right lean, you know, you're getting a left lean with MSNBC um, and say what you will about CNN, but I feel, you know, they're, they have also become a culprit by just kind of making the politics or the news of the day kind of a drama within the news by like having these debates and among in their... the dramatic dramatic music in the situation room yeah exactly <laughs> like you know when i first heard of the situation room i was like oh this is this will be great you know i remember wolf blitzer from the gulf war he'll be he'll be you know fair right down the middle and it's kind of like it's turned into this circus of who can I, yell I was a I was a big fan of the the situation room because right out of college is I think when it started, the show started, and I didn't have a job and I was just sitting at home all day, so yeah. I'd watch it every day, and it was it was very up tempo, kind of um, very fast paced, but it was about it made you feel like whether it was or not, it made you feel like you were watching the important news happening now, mm-hmm. whereas now it's like it's the cameras swoop in. And it's like the the music has gotten more and more dramatic. That's something that I've come to gr- like try to understand. Am I just maturing more, or is this really the most important election of our time? Um, you know, because every time it comes up, well, this is the most important election we've ever had, and in, in twenty eight and oh eight and twelve and oh four, this is the most important election we've ever had, and. I, I do feel like that's why I try to compensate for that maturity level, but I also think that it really is getting worse with like cable news and uh, the newspapers dying off. Like it, it's becoming a real crisis. I don't know if you saw, um, if some of the listeners watched John Oliver, he did one of his pieces on um, print media. It, it shows like him in The Daily Show. And some other shows, they're they're really good at pe- finding a bunch of odd video clips and piecing them together, you know, in that short like thirty second mm-hmm. thing, supercut, where they yeah. want to make, yeah, supercut. And uh, see, I'm learning on media on the radio, <laughs> and uh, and the one was a minute's worth of cable and broadcast news programs quoting newspapers. Saying, you know, according to the Washington Post, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, according to the Washington Times, or the New York Times. And that was, that's where they get a lot of their news, is that investigative reporting. And that's going away. 
a lot of newspapers have been forced to close their capital city bureaus. So there aren't as many reporters covering state politics. So like it's basically he said something along the lines of, you know, you're letting a classroom full of kids just sit there without the teacher in it. And they can just do whatever they want. And it's because the print journalists are the one that do all the work. But everybody wants to click on the picture of, uh, you know, Kardashian or Taylor Swift or whatever. And that, you know, it, it's funny now, though. We have to work to pick up a newspaper and read it. That's like considered work now when it used to just be, oh, I'm so lucky I have all this information in front of me. To kind of switch gears, we have been kicking around an idea to do a, uh, a podcast about Pittsburgh, and we're not sure exactly what it's going to be, but I've been pitching people to see if there's interest, people from Pittsburgh, and the way I've been pitching it is we're going to interview local celebrities, so get like, you know, Rick Sivek and all your contacts, as well as potentially anybody who grew up in Pittsburgh that is now famous, reach out to them and see if they're willing to come on. And I think, you know, even just collecting Pittsburgh memories from those individuals that we can play in, uh, I think would be pretty cool. And it's just the the way in which Pittsburgh has a very traditional, prideful way it looks at itself, but also this new, this new evolution of Pittsburgh as a, as a new uh, tech world and robotics and, and new industries are are growing there, and what is the the conflict, or the how do you reconcile both Pittsburghs? You take a town like Lawrenceville, which um, wasn't you know a bad part of town, but wasn't the most vibrant, has become this kind of hotbed for younger millennials and Generation Y. These some of the a lot of these people have start started new businesses like a gastro pub or you know fancy clothes boutique or whatever, and you walk into the place. And it has all the new bells and whistles, and, you know, you pay with your your credit card on the Apple, you know, iPad, and it has, like, the little swipe thing. But then the table that you're buying it off of, uh, or the cashier's table, is all original hardwood, and the floor is the original marble. And you look up, and it has, like, the tin ceiling uh, with that great design that maybe they've painted and kind of, like, just fixed it up a little bit. I think that's kind of what makes Pittsburgh unique in the sense that, you know, we don't get rid of everything. Even though we are modernizing, it's still, um, the past is still a very strong part of our, of who we are. Because there are a lot of millennials moving. I talked to a lot of people in D.C. that are moving from D.C. to Pittsburgh that got a job there, you know, engineering, all kinds of stuff. And they, they're excited to live in a, in a place that's a lot more affordable and um, they're excited to get into kind of a diff- learn about the culture and what it's like there. It's definitely an interesting dichotomy of the old versus the new. And I think kind of like the mix and blending that together and re- build around the past toward the future. And maybe kind of that's what maybe we'd want to go after is kind of, you know, holding on to our past, but not only our past. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. As we talked about, we're we're kicking around the idea of starting a new podcast. We don't have a name for it. We don't even really know what it's going to be. But if you're interested and if you like what we were talking about, feel free to message us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, 
you can subscribe to my podcast, Media on the Radio, on iTunes or listen on WERA.FM every Thursday evening at 7. And again, check out my website, waitwhatpro.com. It's um, an exciting new venture that, that I'm hoping to really grow in the next couple years. And look out for more episodes to come uh, every week. I'm going to be putting them out for the next season. So hopefully you enjoy and take care.